0: 1 Corinthians chapter 9, amen. Thank God for those testimonies of God's faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 9, give me an amen when you get there. I want to talk this morning, if you're taking notes, about will you get to the finish line? Amen. Will you get to the finish line? How many know this morning, church, that uh, only we know that? I can't answer that question for you, and you can't answer that question for me. I I, I just cannot say enough when it comes to the things of God, that our walk with the Lord is personal. Amen. And uh, we, we we talked on Wednesday night about the importance of integrity in our lives. And, and tied into integrity is sanctification and and holiness and us walking in a way that is right. Amen. How many know there's a world out there that's not walking the right way today? Um, I'm not even going to really give examples this morning. I I could have began to give a whole bunch of them, but I've just been seeing stuff on the news and in the media of just the perversity and the sickness of our world and the things that are being done um, that are wrong and not godly and not biblical. And here's the sad thing. I'm not even talking about people that aren't saved. I'm talking about stuff in the church world that people are are doing things and putting the name of Jesus to it and putting the name of Christianity to it. And so we've got to really understand that we're living in the days of Noah. Amen. The word says in Matthew 12, that, and we're not going to look at that at this moment. Sorry, Matthew 24. I'm going to get there a little, a little further. I'm getting ahead of myself that we are living in those days where Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, they began to Drink and eat and be merry and go through life normal, um, they began to get caught up. I read a little quote this morning. It said, The further we get away from the truth, the further people get away from the truth, the more they hate the people who speak it. Amen? Think about that. The further the world distances itself from the truth, the more they hate those that speak the truth. And so Jesus said, You'll be hated for my name's sake. Amen. And we have to understand that we, if, if we're not setting ourselves apart, then we're doing something wrong. It's not that we're better than anybody, but we're saying, I'm going to live according to the word of God. Amen. And I'm going to finish the race. And we have to consistently and constantly in our walks be thinking about this. Am I going to get to the finish line? Because what's interesting about this picture, and I thank my daughter for making this. She did a good job on it. Um, is... It, you, you see the starting line there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and and uh, it, the question there: Will you get to the finish line? And and we all we've all started. We've all everyone every single one of us here has started, unless you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this morning you can know Him, but if you don't if you if you know Him as your Savior, you're you're on that finish. You got to that finish, that beginning line, and the, and the gun sounded as soon as you get, got saved, and you're running, and the question is. Will I finish? And here's the interesting thing, and I want us to visualize this as we go through this message. You can't see the finish line over there, it's not, it's not visible. Doesn't mean it's not there, it's just not visible. And the really interesting thing about that, too, is those vill- hills and valleys where that's kind of what our life's like. Now, that's a beautiful life. Hey Amen. That's a beautiful pasture. The only thing better would have been some burnt areas there and some trash in there somewhere, but um, th- it's a beautiful picture. But that finish line is not visible to us, and that's why we walk by faith. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Now, I want to say something here, because I used to read this a lot when I was first saved, and I thought, well, he's talking about one. Is there only one person going to be saved? And no, this is what I'm talking about here about the personal part of it. Uh, only one person. You can only win that race for yourself. Okay? It's, it's, I say this all the time it's a great thing to have somebody running with you, there's power in numbers. But you've got. if you're going to make it for God, you have to have the mentality, if there's somebody running with me, praise God, but if somebody drops off on the left and drops off on the right, drops off in front of me, drops off behind me, I'm going to keep running. Amen? I, I have to have the attitude I'm the only one that's going to make it. Not in a prideful way, but because how many, how many know this morning that that's what happens to a lot of us is we, in the race of the, of the walk of God, we begin to look at other people around us. And we begin, and, and, and now there's a good and a bad to that. You can look at other people around you that are running the race and doing things right and saying, okay, I'm going to copy that. But if they begin to fall off, you can't be watching them so much and, and, and idolizing them so much or putting so much faith in them that if they fall off, then you're going to fall off too. You say, man, that's, that's unfortunate. I thought they were really going to make it. And you keep on going. And you have the mentality, I'm going to win this race. I'm going I'm to finish the prize. I mean, think about if someone was going to run a marathon and they were concerned the entire time running that marathon if anybody else was going to finish with them. They'd never finish the race. And so uh, how many are getting what I'm saying? There's a balance here that we've got to have a personal understanding that this is a race that I'm in myself and I'm the only one who can win it. Amen. So let's read on. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, In all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we do it for an imperishable crown. And then Paul says, Therefore I run not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, watch this, I myself should become disqualified. Father, I pray you this morning... On this day, this Sunday, Father, that we're gathered together at this service, I pray that you just uh, give us a few minutes of, a, of your anointing to just to focus on your word and just to understand, God, the, the fight that we're in, the battle that we're in, the walk that we're in. We thank you this morning for the privilege and the honor to be saved, to know your name this morning, to be even in the race, to be a participant in this in this great race that is the race of life. Father, I ask that you'd open our hearts and our minds and our spirits And I ask, God, that you would restrain and rebuke and cancel out every strategy of the enemy this morning so that we would feel your presence, know your word, and grow this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we all want to be able to say what Paul says in a second in 2 Timothy. We're going to go there, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this needs to be our goal. And as you're getting to 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, part, of the, part of the understanding of the days of Noah is that uh, there was a boat being built and that boat that was being built was going to save anybody who got on the boat, okay? And it was a big boat. One of the things that, that a lot of people don't think about and don't understand is that that boat was not just made for Noah and his family. That boat had a lot of room on it. It was not just made for the animals, Obviously, we know in God's infinite wisdom, he knew who was and wasn't going to get on that boat, but that boat was made for everyone, and he was preaching the word. Noah was preaching the word to those men and women as we're supposed to do. And and it's a picture of life. Okay? The the Ark of Noah is a picture of life because it took him his lifetime to build that thing. I mean, he he started when we when we look at, at his age, he was already up in years. But what I'm trying to say is that when he got the the vision of God for his life, the rest of his life was he was building and preaching. Okay, building and preaching. And so interesting in running and a race and and all these things of life is you have to participate, but you have to train. Amen? You can't just train if you're not going to participate in the race. Why would you train if you're not going to get in the race? And why would you be in the race if you haven't trained? So there's the balance of life and and we're going to I'm going to show you that in a second but we know today that there's two things that we're waiting for. And and we have to understand this. Are two things we expect this morning in our daily walks. One is that one day we could breathe our last breath. We could pass into eternity just that fast. We could we could just it could be over. I heard a story uh, this week of, I think it was here locally, last week sometime, of it was late at night, there was a family of four going down uh, the freeway, I don't remember which street it was on, and some trailer uh, lost control on the opposite side of the road and the back of it swung into the other side of the freeway and took the top of that car off and killed all four of them instantly. That entire family of four was gone in a second. So we, we, we understand that we don't know when our last day is. That's one thing we understand. The other thing is, is as a believer, we are every day looking, watching, and waiting expectantly for the return of Jesus. Amen? We, 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 we cannot get so caught up in our daily lives that we forget Jesus could come back today and and that is what Noah was doing in his life and and I could have gone into the book of Genesis and read about Noah this morning but that's not the direction I wanted to show you but I want to get you to understand read that in your own time in Genesis 6 but he's what he's doing is he's building over here his his his, his his ministry, but as he's building, he's preaching and he's warning people that one day quickly and soon and at any moment, those floods going to come, it's going to take everybody away and you have to be ready. And everybody looked at him and thought, man, we've heard that before, you've been saying that for years, and they began to doubt and they began to get busy until that day when it began to rain. Once it began to rain, they had never seen raindrops before. When that, when that trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back for his church, church, we, we have never heard that trumpet. This world has never seen people disappear into the air. People's never seen a rapture. And it's exactly like the Noah, story of Noah. They've never seen water before, but it came. And then all of a sudden they were trying to get in the boat, but it was too late. And so our life consists of running the race to finish that race. My ultimate goal, I'll tell you what my ultimate goal is, is to, is to see Jesus part the clouds while I'm alive. That's my goal and my hope. I want to see the rapture with my own eyes. I, I don't want to be resurrected from the dead. I want to see it. I want to be alive. I want to be one of those, as First Thessalonians says, as they were alive, those who were alive and remained. I want to be that person, amen, that goes up into the sky on the greatest roller coaster ride ever. Can you say amen? I want to be there. But I don't know what, my, what God's plan is for me, so I'm going to run the race. With the, with the goal to finish that race. And my finish line, church, our finish line, every single one of us, is one of two places. It's either the, the last day of our life and going into heaven or being raptured. Those are the two things we're looking forward to. And we can't see when that is. We just know we have it in front of us. And we have to continue to go forward. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, we want to say this. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, when, when Paul is writing this, just stop there for a second. When Paul is writing this, he is his understanding in his spirit that he's in his last days. It was an interesting thing in Bible times, and you do see this sometimes today, but not as much as in Bible times. They they grew really old and they knew when they were gonna die. They would call their family members in and they would talk to them and they would just go to they would just go, go to sleep. They knew. Paul knew the, the, his days were numbered. He knew he had finished the race, and it wasn't long after that that he was he was martyred for the, for Jesus Christ. But he's saying here, "I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith." That's got to be our goal this morning. And and life is 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 a is a thing of ups and downs. Amen. In a race, in a, in, a, in a competition, in a game, if you've ever played any kind of sports at all, the, a game or a competition does not stay the same the whole time. You know, in, 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 in the sport that I love the most, I like lots of sports, but the one I love the most, basketball, and the one I play the most, it's a game of ups and downs. It's a game of what they call runs. A team can be winning by 20 points, and then all of a sudden the next quarter, that team can be losing by 20 points. And it can happen that fast, and a game is never over until it's over. And we have to understand there's going to be points in our lives where we feel like we're losing. Amen. We feel like we're not winning the race. We feel like the devil's got us. We feel like there's no hope. And then there's going to be other days where we feel like we're on top of the world. We feel like we can't lose. We feel like there's no way we can be defeated. And and that's just part of life. There's ups and there's downs, and there's ups and there's downs. What we have to do is simply stay in the race. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, watch what he says. Here's why I'm saying all this this morning. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Listen to this, on that day. When is that day? Nobody knows. Nobody knows when that day is. We, we, we can try to figure that day out, and we can try to be ready, and we can see the signs. And I've done lots of preaching like that over the years, and we've done lots of, of things about, look look what the forecast is saying, and look what the, what the world's doing, and you see the different things that are happening in the world. We know it's closer and closer all the time. But he said, I'm, I'm la- there's a crown laid up for me for the, the, when the, that the righteous judge will give to me on that day, in its capital letters, the day of the Lord. And he says, not to me only, but to all who what love his appearing so he he was expectant paul was expectant in that time you understand 2000 years ago they had the same expectancy to see jesus return that we have today they 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 thought that he was going to come back in their lifetime and then the following generation thought that he's going to come back in their lifetime. And that has been going on for thousands of years. And what we have to fight today is where people say, man, it's been so long. It's been so long. And, and, and we, this is the moment right here where we've got to get, stay in the race more than ever before. Because this is the moment where the world's saying, Man, he's they're scoffing. First Peter talks about it. There's no return. They've been saying that for years, they've been saying that forever, just like they did in the days of Noah. That that ark at some point was built. It was done. I I don't believe that just immediately after he put that last nail in the ark, it started raining. I believe that ark was built. I believe it was ready. And some time passed, and Noah was thinking, "Man, when is this going to happen as well?" But every day that he lived, he kept saying, "Listen, guys, there's a flood coming. There's a flood coming. I don't know when it is, but there's a flood coming." And here's what sounded crazy: as he's saying that, there's not a cloud in the sky. Because we got to realize at that time there was no clouds it had never rained right Rain. the bible says in genesis that water the the the, the earth was was uh, 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 watered by coming up from the ground like a, like an irrigation system it did not come from the sky and so they didn't even know what a cloud was they didn't know what what they were supposed to look for and, and he, they didn't have any idea that they can, how's water going to come out of that? And, and so he kept saying it and saying it and preaching it. And that's where we can be sometimes. You can be just in the middle of April or the end of April. You can just be in another kind of part of the year. You can kind just kind of maybe get going through the motions. But you got to stop and say, I'm in a race. I'm in a race here. And I want to finish this race. I've fought the good fight. I, I want to finish this. And I want to be able to say on that day that I'm watching and I'm waiting. We don't want life to catch us off guard. How many are here? Amen. Now, let's go over to Matthew 24, and let me read this to you real quick, and then I want to read a parable to you this morning. Matthew chapter 24. How many love the Word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Isn't it awesome to have this book in front of us that around the world people are fighting to get? Amen. We're so blessed to have this Bible, to have this manual, to be able to just sit here and learn about the things of God. Let's look at verse 36. Jesus says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And, and, and as I read that, I've always said and I've always taught you, we don't know the day, but we know we're in the season. We know there's too many things happening right now, and and my my and, you know I could be wrong. Absolutely, can I be wrong? I could be I could live to be 85 years old and die and see my last breath and never see Jesus come. But I honestly don't believe that's going to happen. Because I believe we've seen stuff and signs going on that that have never been seen before, and we're on a time clock. Don't forget that the world says we're on a time clock. There's an atomic time clock that the scientists say is at about 11:58. So even the world says something's going on here. You see the turmoil all around the world. You see the things that are going on in Turkey right now. You see the things that are going on in in Damascus right now. It's continuing to be destroyed. I don't know when that verse is going to be fulfilled that says Damascus will cease to be a city because it looks like it's not much of a city right now. And we know there's major hostility. We know that Iran and Syria and Persia and, and China are all getting ready to come down and attack Israel. And we're in this time frame. We're in this place. Right now, church, we're at 70 years, exactly 70 years from 1948 when Israel became a nation. We're in that place. And so I, I really believe with all my heart we're going to see the return of Jesus Christ. And we've got to stay ready, and we've got to preach, and we've got to tell people about it. And we can't ever get to the place where we say, man, I heard that message a few months ago. We need to be preaching this message every day. We need to be preaching it every week because, again, there's people that are going into eternity today through death, and there's people that are going to miss the rapture for not being ready because the church is falling asleep. We can't stop training, church. We've got to stay alert. Think about the military this morning. What does the military do? You know, there's some people that go into the military and we forget this. We kind of look at it as a vocation. We look at it as a way to get an education. We look at it all that stuff. But you realize when they're training in the military, they're not training just to train. They're training because they're expecting. Amen? Laura's sister just got sent over there to the, what's it called? To the to the Mediterranean for all this stuff that's going on in Syria. I mean, they ship out on a boat. And someone like her sister might think, man, I'll never see combat. I'm just over here training. And they're not training just to train. And some people don't ever see combat. But they're, they're waking up every morning. They're making their bed. They're going through all the stuff they do. They're doing all this training. They're going out and they're going through mock things and mock that and and, and acting like this is going to happen and all these things. And, and no one ever expects it to happen until it happens. And that the Bible calls us soldiers this morning. And so we should, be, we should be preparing every day for one of those two things. This could be my last day. What would our life be like? How would the world change if we would really wake up every morning, not in fear, not in fear, man, I could die today, not in fear, but understanding today could be the last day I live on this earth. Can I make sure today that I don't take today off? Can I make sure today, and I'm not even talking about just not being ready or not being right in your spirit. I'm talking about, am I going to miss an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus today? Can I I not uh, be so busy in my life that I forget that someone needs to hear that there's hope this morning? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer. Jesus loves you. So we're going through this life, and he's saying, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels, but my father only. Now watch this, verse 37 out of Matthew 24. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, look at it, it says days. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them away so also will be the coming so also will the coming of the son of man be look at the person next to you and say Jesus could come back today amen he could come back today Today could be your last day on this earth, amen? We don't know what tomorrow brings. Now I want you to go, as I close this morning, to Luke chapter 19. We're going to take communion this morning, amen, and just thank the Lord for for what he has done for us. And, And part of this message goes hand in hand with why we take communion, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. We don't just take communion just religiously out of an act of just obedience, but we do it for a reason, and it ties into this, because we're in a race, and we're reminding ourselves what we're doing. We're reminding ourselves why we're on this earth. I was talking to a cousin of mine yesterday, and we went, had a family reunion in Temple. And um, this cousin of mine, I hadn't hadn't seen. Well, I saw him two years ago at the reunion, but I hadn't seen him before that for many many years. And his name is Bubba, and he his he's he's the son of my of my Papaw's brother, and he's. Um, had a rough life. He's, he's had a lot of problems, a lot of addictions, a lot of different things he's gone through. Um, but I, I just took an opportunity yesterday just to witness to him, and I found out a cool thing. He lives in Longmont, Colorado, and we have a church in Longmont. And, and I thought it was so neat as I was walking along with him, uh, talking to him, and I said, man, we've got a church there, and it's a young couple. I said, it's good to stay. He's like 67, 68 years old. I said, it's good to be young. And you get around some young people, make you feel young. Amen. So Pastor Josh and Elena are over there in Longmont. And so I'm going to cook them up with the phone number. And I showed him where the address was. He knew where it was. It's not a really big city. And I was just talking to him. And I said, you know, you, you're 67 years old. And I said, there's going to be a day, Bubba, that you're going to breathe your last breath. I said, we're all going to pass into eternity. And I said, you've got an eternity waiting for you. And I said, your mom and your dad were believers. They loved God, and I said, if you want to see your mom and dad again, you got to live for Jesus. Amen? You've got, you got to put those things in people's hearts. you got to share your faith with people. you got to get people to realize there's something else beyond this life, and thank God for that. What am I doing to make my life make a difference? Amen? So let's look at this, at this parable. This is very important because this is where the rubber meets the road in our walk. It's it's as we're going to read this, it's it's a thing of balance again, and, and I, I can't say that word enough. If you're if you're gonna be discipled and understand God's will, you gotta understand that life is a li- that the walk of God is balance. It's very easy to go to one extreme or the other. God wants us right down the middle. So what I mean by that is is as we go to read this parable, is it talking about the return of Christ or talking about my my the day I breathe my last breath. I could sit back and say, Man, Jesus could come back today. It looks like he's coming today. Uh, there, 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 there's just all these signs, and I know he's coming back soon, so I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to look for him. I'm just going to be ready. But then I'm not doing anything. Not doing anything at all. Just wait. Or I could be on the other side where I get so busy doing things that I'm not watching for him. See the balance? I can't be on one extreme or the other. i got to be right in the middle. i got to be busy and watching. Busy and watching. Watch what this parable says. Verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, Luke 19, he spoke a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. Watch this. And to what? To return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, and said, watch this, do business till I come. Another version would say, occupy till I come. Another version would say, stay busy till I come. Amen. How many are getting what I'm saying here? This is very important. In this parable, this is Jesus who's going to return for his people, and the servants are us. And the servants are the ones right here that are going to receive ten minas, meaning we've been given talents. God has said, "This is what I give you," and this is what we got to understand. We don't all have the same talents. Some get less, some get more. I can't, I can't really do anything about if somebody. How many have ever looked at someone and said, "Man, they got all the talents. I didn't get any." Well, we got something because we know they didn't give us nothing. But sometimes you think, you know, the Bible says there's no respect. He's no respecter of persons. And I look at some people, how talented they are, and I think, God, I don't know about that verse. You gave it all to them. You know, the ones that can play five instruments and sing and and are athletic and they're smart and they're handsome and they're all these things. You're thinking, man, God, I got the short end of the stick on this thing. But how many know we we got something? We got something. Some, Some got more, some got less. That's a fact. That's a fact. Can't do anything about, man, God, you didn't give me that talent. God says, what I gave you, I gave you for a purpose. Use what I gave you. Now watch what he says. So he calls them together and he says, do business till I come. And the citizens hated him, that's the world, and sent a delegation after him and said, we will not have this man to reign over us. Isn't it funny how no one wants God to be their king today? And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading, listen, church, you need to know something. God expects you to do something with your salvation. Give me a better amen. I know there could be a woe is me, but that's why I'm challenging you this morning. He expects you to do something with your salvation. Then the first came first the first came saying, Master, your Mina has earned 10 minas. And he said, Well done. Good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. Now let me throw this in in case you don't know this. We don't realize this. You see, a lot of people say, well, I just want to go to heaven. That's all I need. I just want to make it to heaven. Can I give you a newsflash? We're not just going to heaven. The Bible says we're going to reign on this earth for a thousand years, and what we do on this earth now is going to have to do with what we do in the millennial reign. Amen some of you might be happy with just picking up the trash. I don't want to do, I, I don't, I don't mind picking up trash, but I want to be somebody in the millennial reign. I want to do something with what God has given me. Can you say amen? I want to, I want to do something with what he's given me. I don't want to just slide in safe. So he's saying you're going to have authority over ten cities. How many of you have ever had, what, what, wondered, what are we going to do in the millennial reign? Well, it depends on what you did here. Okay? Watch. Second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said, you also ha- will be over five cities. Then another came and said, Master, here's your mina, which I've kept, put away in a handkerchief. This kind of sounds like put it under a bush, hide it under a bush. You know, that littlest little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Put it under a bush, oh, no, I'm going to let it shine. you gotta, you got to do something with your light. Amen. And then he says, I, hit, I, I I kept this mina. What verse was I in? Okay, in a handkerchief, verse 20. Verse 21, for I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. They said to him, Master, he has ten minas, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, And slay them before me. God one day will come and judge this world, church. Amen. He's going to come and he's going to destroy all those who rejected him. Not that he hasn't given them a chance. But what am I saying this morning out of this parable? We've got to run. Amen. We've got to run. We've got to be in this race. We've got to stay busy. I've got to occupy till he comes. I've got to do business till he comes. I've got to preach, I've got to teach, I've got to tell, I've got to go, I've got to invest, I've got to stay ready. Amen. I can't just sit back and say, "Well, Jesus come back." Got my salvation ticket. It's not just about being saved. You know, there's another part of the Bible where the Bible talks about if you're not bearing fruit, you'll be cut off. Church, we've got to do something with our salvation. Amen. It's not that we're saved by those works, but works are a fruit of our righteousness. They're a fruit of what we do. So I want to end in Hebrews chapter 12. If you'll go there, and we're going to close. Hebrews chapter 12. Shoot over there real quick. And look what he says here. Therefore, we are surrounded, verse 1, by such a great cloud of witnesses. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we got to do to stay busy and stay occupied until he comes. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a race, church. And, and listen, at the end, at the end of that picture right there, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's a lot to look forward to. It's a lot to look forward to i can't just sit back and relax now we have a saying we'll rest when we get to heaven we're gonna rest one day and it doesn't mean you can't have rest here it doesn't mean you can't have a vacation it doesn't mean you can't take a break i'm not saying that i'm saying we've got to keep running we can't take life off as a vacation amen life is our race the life we live is our race and we got to encourage each other and we got to say, hey, man, I ain't seen you running for a while. Come on, let's run. You grab their hand and pull them along. But if they're not going to move, you got to keep running. Because one of the things I've learned over the years is the devil will send you distractions. He'll send you people along the side that don't want to run, they're not going to run. And you'll sit there and try to get them to run all day long and they're going to waste your time. You spend some time with them. And then you get discernment and you say, okay, listen, I, I'd like you to go, but you don't want to go. I'm moving on. And you go on to the next person. There's someone down the road who is who is who has sprained their ankle and they're trying to run. You help them get up and they start running. Amen? They want to run, but they can't. But you don't let things weigh you down. That's why we pray. That's why we seek the Lord at the altar. That's why we do communion. We say, Lord, search my heart. Examine my heart. Make sure there's nothing in my life today that's weighing me down, that's causing me to not be able to finish this race. I want to finish that race. Will you get to the finish line? Will I get to the finish line? Yes. Yes, Lord. Father, help us this morning to get to the finish line. Help us. That is our goal. That is our desire. We don't want to just start the race this morning. God, we want to finish it. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, I pray that, that the word of God is spoken to you this morning. And as we're, as we're searching our hearts, how many all over this place this morning listening to the sound of my voice in this place this morning, in this sanctuary or online at different places around the world, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation for you. Jesus paid a price for your sin On the cross and he died so that you could have eternal life and the Bible says it's a gift it's free how many this morning could say I've never said that prayer of salvation this morning pray for me I want to be saved just put your hand up all over this place God wants to save you this morning amen God wants to come into your life he wants to come into your heart amen let's stand to our feet this morning we're gonna do communion in just a minute But I want to take a few minutes first to just spend some time at the altar examining ourselves and praying. We're going to say a sinner's prayer here in a moment. And uh, right, right, right before we sing, we're going to ask the Lord to be Lord of our lives, especially if someone right now this morning will be listening online this week and they don't know Jesus Christ, amen. We don't know who we're reaching, amen. We've always got to give them an opportunity to know Jesus. Amen. Don't get caught up in all the other stuff. Say, do you know Jesus? Where will you spend eternity? Amen. So let's say that prayer this morning together as a church. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you that our names are in the Lamb's book of life, not because of anything we can do, but because of your grace and your mercy. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner lost without you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead and conquered hell and death and the grave and when you rose from the dead you gave me eternal life. I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead and because of that I am saved. Thank you Jesus Jesus for coming into my life, and changing me, and giving me a purpose, in Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open this morning, just take a few minutes to pray this morning, and we'll do do communion in just a moment, as we sing this song, let's just examine ourselves, that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, that we would examine ourselves to see that we're in the faith this morning confess sins to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you for your sins. Ask Him to to wash you clean this morning. And maybe you're dealing with something. Just talk to the Lord this morning in your own words.